I love coming on Wednesday night. I know it's hard to get here, so I'm so appreciative of those who make it here, whether you're here in person or watching online. Thank you for being a part of this midweek moment. It's an opportunity for us to be able to hear from God. In fact, just this, this week, I was cleaning out a drawer in my office and I found this key and I have no idea what it goes to. And I'm puzzled, I'm intrigued, I'm frustrated. There's something that this key goes to. There's something that is locked that I can get into. I just don't know what it is. And I wonder, is, is it to anything of any importance or not? But what it started speaking to me when I saw this, and I, I, I mean, I've been just going through my brain trying to figure out what would this key go to? And then I realized, you know what? I looked at my key ring that I carry ordinarily in my pocket that's in my office now. And I've got keys on there that I don't know what they go to. And I thought, why am I carrying all these keys? Does anybody have keys on your key ring? You have no idea what they go to? Anybody else? Okay, I'm not the only one. All right, good, I feel a little better. But as I started thinking about these keys, these keys, they unlock doors. Or these keys, they lock doors and they make things secure. These keys give you entry into something. They uh, give you access to something that you don't have access to right now. And I started thinking about, as we have been praying about going deeper in the word here in 2021, and we've been taking on the book of James here on Wednesday night, and Pastor Kelly Roberts kicked it off last Wednesday night. We've been digging into the book of Ephesians on Sunday. And listen, these aren't just random. Let's just take that book, or let's just go through this book. We've sought, we've prayed, and we've asked the Lord, what, what do you want us to say? What, what, what are you saying to us? And the fact is that every book in the Bible, every chapter in every book, every verse in every chapter, every word in every chapter is a key. It's a key that makes entrance. It's a key that brings security. It's a key that uh, gives us revelation. It's a key that takes us places that we don't have access to right now. And so as we're digging in, to the book of James, this isn't just a Bible study. And as we're digging into Ephesians on Sunday, it's not just another sermon series. These are keys. They're keys that are gonna give us access to where God wants us to go. And so here's what I'm asking you to do as we get ready to go into James chapter two tonight. I want you to ask the Lord to give you the key to where he wants you to go. Because this is what I realize, and I, and I probably realize this more than, than you do, but I can, I can speak on a topic on a Sunday and, and it's amazing to me how many people get a different word from that one topic. It's like, man, remember when you preached on and, they, and I thought, no. Remember it was when you said, and I thought, oh yeah, that, that message was on A. How did you get B? But because God had a key that he wanted them to hear and it might've been one word, one sentence out of the whole message that spoke to them exactly what God wanted them to hear. There's a key that God has for you. There's a key that will open some doors. There's a key that will bring some security and safety into your life if you'll just ask God to let you hear it. 
But then the other thing is you have to be able to receive. The key has to go into something. This key has to be deposited into somebody's heart. The keys that I'm gonna be sharing, the scriptures that I'm gonna read, the message that I'm gonna bring out of James chapter two, it's gotta go into somebody's heart in order for God to bring the revelation, in order for God to take you where he wants you to go. So would you pray for God to open up your heart and make your heart receptive to his key? Not my words, but to his key. Father, I ask that you would open up all of our hearts tonight. That as we go into James chapter two, I believe that you have keys that will give us entry and access to places we need to go. And I believe that it will also secure us from things that we don't need access to. So help us to hear the key, help our hearts to be prepared and receptive for what you're gonna speak to us tonight. And we believe that we will be changed in Jesus' name. Let's look at James chapter two. The scripture will be on the screen or if you've got your Bibles, I really encourage you to start bringing your Bibles. I know some of you like to use your phone, that's okay, but there's nothing like a Bible. It's actually a little more spiritual. Uh, anyway, okay, hey, James, James chapter two, it's, it's not. It could be, but all right. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Favoritism. I'm gonna share with you, there's three words that jump out to me in this chapter that kind of help me create the thoughts I wanna leave with you. And one is this, favoritism, favoritism. We as people of God should not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. But you've dishonored the poor. Is not the rich who who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, You sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. There's a second word, freedom. The first is favoritism. Second word is freedom. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And then we go into verse 14 and here it goes into the third word, which is faith. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sisters without clothes and daily food If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, 
if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Now, it's not the action, it's not the works that saves you, but because you're saved, you will do good works. Faith without the good works, faith without the deeds, faith without action is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder, you foolish person. There's another F word there. Wait, they didn't come out right. Anyway, <laughs> foolish person. <clears throat> keep going, just keep going. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So there's a, a lot of weight in what we do as Christians, not just what we believe. Verse 25, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. All right, so there's three words that kind of break down this chapter, favoritism, freedom, and faith. Favoritism, freedom, and faith. I'm gonna talk about favoritism first of all. There's one scripture that kind of kept, uh, one word that kind of uh, summarizes that one thought, and that is verse one. My brothers and sisters, believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, you must not show favoritism. Now, let me explain. You can have a favorite, but you must not show favoritism. And don't confuse favoritism with leadership and responsibility. You give leadership and responsibility to certain people who have more aptitude for leadership and responsibility. That's not meaning that they're your favorite. It's just they have that ability. So don't confuse leadership and responsibility with favoritism. It's kind of like a ref in a football game. He can have a favorite, but he can't show favoritism. In the body of Christ, you can have a favorite, but you can't show favoritism. Our job is to love everybody. Our job is to love our neighbor as ourself. In fact, even Jesus, he had his inner circle and some think that he showed favoritism, but actually it was leadership and responsibility. He gave more leadership and responsibility to John, the beloved, whom he loved. And it would appear that he, that was his favorite, but did he love John more than he loved the others? No, he doesn't have the ability to love one person more than another but he gave more responsibility. And then to Peter, James, and John, the inner three, and then to the 12, and then to the 70, and then to more disciples. We as people of God have to make sure, and as a family of God, have to make sure that we are not showing favoritism to one person because of what they can do for us. And that's one of the illustrations that we're, we're given here in chapter two, is that we shouldn't give preference to rich people over poor people. We love all people. Thank God for all people. We shouldn't love one person more because they have more wealth and we shouldn't love one person more than another because of the color of their skin. We shouldn't love one person 
over another because of their gender. We, sh we shouldn't love one. And I'm talking about a man and a woman. Just in case I was, I'm not trying to send some hidden message there. I believe there's a man. I believe there's a woman. Okay. All right. In the beginning, God created <laughs> heavens and the earth. And then there was a man and a woman. Anyway, <sighs> this message is getting bad real quick. Okay. But we in the church, we have a bad habit of showing favoritism. And it's not just in the church, it's human nature. Years ago, when Starla and I were pastoring in Houston, I decided to do something one time just to see how it would go. And I dressed up like a bum and I slipped into church. And as I came in, came in with the crowd as they were walking in, I sat back kind of in the back over there. And I remember when I sat down on the, we had pews back then, I sat down on the pew and this lady scooted away from me. And I thought, oh, I wish you hadn't have done that. Cause in just a few minutes, you're gonna know who I am. And you're gonna be really, really embarrassed. I thought, oh, I'm inside, I was thinking, why did she do that? No, no, no. I was wishing somehow she could take it back. But I thought, no, she's probably one of the many that need to hear this message. And it's gonna hit her right between the eyes. So then I had the guy who was leading worship. At one point I said, here's what I want you to do. When I come in, I sit down. Then after worship, I said, I want you to tell everybody, get out there and meet new people. And then once you meet somebody you haven't met before, bring them down to the front and we're gonna introduce all of our new people to the bodies. Somebody you just met, you're gonna get the chance to introduce them. Something we didn't ordinarily do. But I just wanted to see what would people do. So the church was standing up and people were going around meeting one another and I was standing at the back and I started making my way down. I started walking down, walked down to the front. Nobody greeted me. They weren't the ex people of excellence that you are. I walked all the way down to the front and down here at the front, people were meeting new people and bringing them down. There were, I don't know, six or seven new people that were down at the front and somebody they just met and brought them down. I came all the way down, sat on the front row. Nobody said anything. I did have one lady who looked me in the eye and recognized me. And I just, with my eyes, I said, just walk away, walk away. <laughs> It was Pearl. And uh, so I walked down here, I sat down here. And then after everybody had introduced their friend, then the worship pastor said, and I'd like to introduce my guest. Pastor Kendall, would you come? <laughs> and I walked up and of course, I was just looking at that lady back there and she's the only person I really... <laughs> what I realized then is that we all have a tendency to shy away from things that make us awkward and to run away from opportunities to really be a blessing. But in the body of Christ, we really have a mantle of responsibility upon us to go into those awkward situations and be the hands of Jesus Christ. 
It's our responsibility to go where it's not comfortable to go. It's our responsibility to, to go to the unlovable and the who may seem unreachable and, and to go where Jesus would go. Don't let somebody's wall of defense or wall of offense or wall of, uh, of opinions or whatever their wall may be. Don't let that keep you from entering into their world. It's just like sometimes a wounded animal, you know, your most loving animal, wounded animal, they're, they're gonna snap at you if you reach out and grab them because they're hurt. And sometimes people are just hurt. And we have this responsibility to not show favoritism and just go where we're comfortable or go where we think people are gonna like us more or go where we think we're gonna get more out of it. It's our job to reach everybody. So we need, a, we, I, I want people to walk into this house with a mission, with a challenge, with a dare. I dare you to find somebody that doesn't look like you, doesn't think like you, doesn't act like you and just make a new friend. I dare you to find a face that you don't have a name to, and you know what, but I should know their name. You know what, be big enough to say, I should know your name. They should know yours too. Well, I've been wanting to meet you too. Let's just be the body of Christ. I'll tell you one other quick little story before I move on. And this was all during that same time frame when I uh, walked in like a bum. And uh, we were, I'd, I'd pitched the idea for building a new sanctuary and wanted to build a 2000 seat sanctuary. And, and God spoke to a man to help me. And I got a phone call at the church office from a name that I didn't recognize. And uh, they said, he wants to, to meet with you. He wants you to come by his office. He has something for you. No, no, he didn't say has something for you. He wants you to come by the office and meet him. So I did. I went by the office and when I drove up to the office, it was an old rundown like warehouse building electrical wires that look like they, there's no way they could have passed any kind of code. I mean, it's just like this place was getting ready to go, uh, go up in flames any second. Uh, it just wasn't real attractive. And my first thought when I walked in or drove up and saw the, the little suite that I was supposed to go to and I saw all these wires hanging there. I thought somebody's gonna die if they just touch that. And what am I doing here? And I thought, oh, I get it now. This guy needs some help. He called me and asked me to come meet with him because he needs some help. He's gonna ask me for some money. That's what he's gonna do. I already had it all. I, I know exactly what's gonna happen. I walked in and uh, sat in this little small little lobby and they said, the gentleman who asked me for the meeting said, he'll be with you in just a second. And I'm gonna intentionally not say his name. But uh, finally, when they said, oh, he'll see you now. And I walked in and his desk was a door on top of two, two drawer filing cabinets. And then I knew, I knew this guy was gonna ask me for something. I knew he's gonna ask me for some help. And he came in from a little side room and walked in and said, Pastor Kendall. I said, yes, sir. We shook hands. He introduced himself. And I was waiting for the pitch. I was waiting for it. I knew it was coming. So I was thinking, what, what am I going to do? 
And he said, you have a big dream. Tell me about your dream. And I told him again about the dream to build this 2000 seat sanctuary. He said, that's gonna cost a lot of money. I said, yeah. I said, okay, here we are. Now we're on money. We're getting, he's getting around to ask me for some money. He said, God told me to help you. And again, I'm judging the outward appearance here. And in my head, I thought, what do you have to help me? How are you gonna help me? And you know what this guy did? He pulled a check out of his desk drawer and slid it across the table. It was a check for $175,000. He said, God told me to pay for the foundation on that building that you're gonna build. And he had a, a company that he knew how much it was gonna cost. And he said, you're gonna need this. I just about died. I, a lot of things went through my head right then. And I realized I had misjudged. I had misread. In fact, I was so convicted because of how off I was. Uh, I had a hard time even accepting the money. I got over it, but <laughs> I got, <laughs> but I, I had a hard time. This was a man that I remember him kneeling in the altar during a worship service one time and Starla was standing next to me and Starla asked me, who's, who's that kneeling down there? Poor guy, he had a hole in his shoe. I looked around, I said, well, that's, that's, I told her that's his name. God just gave me $175,000. He can afford a new pair of shoes, but he just chose not to. So often we make the mistake of judging people and judging situations and judging things based on our opinions, on our thoughts, our fears. And we totally miss opportunities that God puts right in front of us to answer prayers, to meet needs, to cause your faith to grow. Keys that will open doors and take us places that God wants us to go. Don't judge people by outward appearances or by possessions. Let's love everybody. Just love everybody. Love every race, every color, every creed. Love the tall, the short, love the rich, the poor. Let's just love everybody. That's what Jesus would want us to do. That's what Jesus wants out of Freedom Church. He wants us to love everybody. Now, does, does God expect us to change from our sinful ways? Absolutely. All of us are changing every day. And we're gonna encourage people to change, but we're gonna love everybody, right? Number two, freedom. Freedom, this is the second word that jumped out at me in this chapter. It's a, and that basically don't judge people without mercy because James 2.12 says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Do you know that every one of us are gonna be judged? We're gonna be judged by a law that actually gives us freedom. And if we do right and we live right and we have our faith in Christ, then we're gonna experience freedom. He said, don't judge as if you're not receiving freedom yourself. 
He goes on, he says, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let me read it in the message. I love the way the message says. It says, talk and act like a person expecting to be judged by the rule that sets us free. For if you refuse to act kindly, you can hardly expect to be treated kindly. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Now here's what, I, what that's saying to me is there's a whole lot of us that forget the fact that God has forgiven us of our sins and is giving us freedom from the penalty of sin. And yet we turn around and we judge other people without mercy, yet we want mercy from God. And God, what this is saying is, hey, listen, you need to act towards other people like you remember you're being forgiven a great big debt from God and you need to forgive others. We need to walk in forgiveness. We need to walk in the freedom that Christ gives us and, and be free to forgive other people as well. Because if we can't forgive other people, how do we expect God to forgive us? And you say, but you don't know who I'm talking about. You don't know what they've done to me. Well, what have you done? Did God overlook your sin to forgive you? Yes. And he expects us to do the same thing with others. We've got to be people of forgiveness. And I know forgiveness is hard, but we have to be people of forgiveness. In fact, a few years ago, one of our ladies, Mindy, uh, Mandy Lemon, passed away and she had a, a bad struggle with cancer. But just days before she passed, Starla and I went to her home and she was telling us what she wanted us to say at her funeral. And here's a woman that she knew her time was short. She was ready to meet Jesus. And she said, here's what I want you to say at my funeral. She said, number one, tell them this, God didn't do this, talking about this battle with cancer. God didn't do this, the devil does this kind of thing. I don't want anyone to be mad at God because of this. He is so amazing and so good. And I want everyone to know that God is good and not be upset or mad at him. That was the first thing she said, I want you to make sure and tell people, don't be mad at God. She said, and then secondly, it's so important for us to love each other and to forgive people who hurt us or who think, or that we think hurt us. Life is too short to waste on being angry and upset. Just forgive and love others. And she said this, love is what gets us through the tough parts of life and brings joy to the good parts. Love is what gets us through the tough parts of life and brings joy to the good parts. Here's a lady that knew in just a matter of days, she would be passing into eternity. And she wanted to make sure that those who were gonna be at her funeral would hear this message of forgiveness and love. I think we need more forgiveness and more love in our lives. I think we need to act with forgiveness. And let me tell you something. I know we're living in weird times. I know people are easily divided. People are easily offended. People are easily put off. But man, we all have to find, <laughs> we have to find it within us to walk in forgiveness. We have to find it within us to walk in love. And we gotta love no matter what. Can I get an amen? No matter how sick or tired, you always be able to say, please and thank you, I'm sorry, and I love you. 
And then here's the third word, and you worship team, come back please. And that's faith. Don't claim faith without works to back it up. Don't say you have faith if you're not gonna back it up with works. Because faith without works is what? It's dead. Faith without works. You can't claim to have a personal faith in Christ if your actions don't back it up. There's a lot of people, they, they are heavy on faith. I got faith. But you know what? Faith requires us to live a certain way. But because we understand that we're saved because of faith, not because of works, some people that think that that means you're not accountable for your works or your actions, but we're all accountable for our actions. Amen? Our faith really doesn't help us and it doesn't help others until we put it into action. Be willing to love people. Be willing to forgive people. Be willing to go outside of your comfort zone and be what Christ would want us to be to others. I heard the story of a soldier who was laying on the battlefield and he'd been laying there for some time without any aid, without anyone to uh, bandage his wounds or to nurse his wounds in any way. And finally a chaplain came along and the chaplain kneeled, kneeled down beside him and said, would you like me to read the Bible to you? And he angrily said, no. And the chaplain said, well, is there, is there anything else I can do for you? And the soldier said, I'm thirsty. And so the chaplain took his own canteen and gave him some water. He says, is there anything else I can do for you? And the wounded soldier said, I'm, I'm, I'm cold. The chaplain took off his coat, put it on the wounded soldier. He said, is there anything else I can do for you? He said, my head is uncomfortable. The chaplain took his cap off and folded it, and put it under the back of his head. Now his head was comfortable. He said, is there anything else I can do for you? The wounded soldier said, yeah, now, now you can read to me from the Bible. See, sometimes we get it backwards, but what we gotta do is love someone first, witness to them second. Love someone first meet their needs, find out where they are, find out what's going on in their life, love them first and then witness to them second. What I get out of this chapter and the keys that spoke to me were simply not to judge people by their outward appearance. And I need to do a better job of that and I hope that all of us will not to judge people without mercy. I wanna give more mercy. I want to err on the side of mercy every time. I wanna be reminded every time of what Jesus did for me and the, and the mercy that he showed me. And if I've been given mercy, then I'm going to give mercy. If I've been forgiven, then I'm going to forgive. If I've been given another chance, then I'm gonna give someone else another chance. Whatever mercy I want from God, that's the mercy I've gotta be willing to give others. And we've gotta all do the same thing. And then last, don't claim faith without works. Don't say you're a follower of Christ if your actions don't follow it up. Our actions should match our words. There's a lot of people out there that need a drink from your canteen or the coat off your back. 
or maybe just to be made a little bit more comfortable in life. And in doing that, my hope and my prayer is that we would then be given the opportunity to share Christ with them. And most of the time, if we do it with the right heart, we do it not necessarily expecting an opportunity to share Christ. We just love people and meet the need of their life right where they are. They'll open the door and say, why are you doing this? Why are you being so kind? There's your open door right there. I do this because God first loved me. He's shown me love and it's my job to show love to others. I do this because I love you, because I care about you. We want this world to be a better place. You know where the better place starts? Right here, right here. Mother Teresa said, if everyone has swept their own porch, then the whole world would be clean. If we just took care of ourselves and we did right ourselves, then we would start having an impact on others. Just do me a favor and stand to your feet. Bow your heads just for a minute. Sometimes we have moments just like this to kind of recalibrate, to make adjustments in our lives, make adjustments in our attitudes, or maybe it's a complete overhaul of our heart, our mind. But tonight, I'm gonna ask you to look inside of your heart. Does the key fit? You've been guilty of judging people by their outward appearance, or by the material possessions, or by what they can do for you. I want you to lay that at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you've been offering not as much mercy as you expect to get from God, but whatever mercy we expect to get from God, we gotta be willing to give to others. I expect a lot of mercy, so I'm going to give more mercy. Does that key fit in your heart tonight? Maybe you've leaned more on faith and less on works or less on deeds, less on actions, but you realize tonight that your actions need to back up what your faith says. Does that key fit in your heart tonight? What do you need to lay at the feet of Jesus tonight? What adjustments need to be made in your heart and in your life?